Good morning. My name is Chris McDaniel. Welcome to our daily podcast. I'm excited today to read to you a passage from John chapter 1. This is a little passage from the very beginning of John's gospel, and frankly, one that lots of us maybe skip right on past because it just looks like Jesus is spending some leisure time with friends, but I'm really looking forward to unpacking this with you. I, I think the Lord has something here for us. So let's read beginning in verse 35. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. And so they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Bible, God. We aren't told what happens uh, on this afternoon that Jesus spends with these two would-be followers, God, but something powerful happened. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about this instance, this this day, uh, 2,000 years ago, that you would help us to think about ways to order our own life with you, Lord, so that we also spend time with you and are changed. Have mercy on us, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's the thing I love about this passage. It's uh, curiosity, actually, is what prompts these two men to follow Jesus. They actually follow him, literally follow him. And without that curiosity on the part of these two would-be disciples, this story would not even be a story. See, they are pursuing Jesus. They they hear John, who was uh, the, the forerunner of Jesus, who was um, the, the, the star of the day, if you will. I mean, he was the... the the last of the Old Testament prophets, a significant voice, maybe at the time, uh, the most significant voice um, in in the religious world, specifically preparing the way for Jesus. Well, John points at Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God. And these two guys who are with John leave John and they are curious. They're thinking, well, if John says he's the Lamb of God, we probably would like to find out a little bit more about him. And this has got me to thinking, before we get into the actual rhythm of their interaction, which I find fascinating and actually analogous of our life today, the thing that we can't miss here is that these two fellows were curious. They they heard something and then they responded out of curiosity. And I would just say, without some curiosity in your life, without an awareness of your need to learn new things about God... Um, you won't have a life with God that you could have. We, we need to be the kinds of people who actually are willing to let our curiosity lead us into some new pursuits. And that's exactly what happens for these guys. And I think that begs the question for us, what could we do to be curious and to remain alert? Um, I think we have to be careful, uh, specifically right now during this season of Uh, upheaval and turmoil, we have to be careful that we don't just simply numb ourselves. Uh, Many of us right now, I think, are probably feeling a temptation to just check out, you know, whether that's through, um, you know, your phone or 
Netflix or alcohol or food consumption. It's super tempting for us just to numb. Uh, when we are going through seasons of, of disappointment, sadness, disorientation, uh, we tend to sometimes just try to check out because it's very uncomfortable to feel feelings uh, that we're feeling right now. It's very uncomfortable to sit with those emotions. And I believe that all of us have uh, an opportunity right now to uh, stir curiosity, to remain alert and awake and engaged. And so I would just ask you to think here at the beginning of your day or whenever it is you're listening to this, where are you currently feeling and maybe even succumbing to a temptation uh, to check out, to numb yourself? Uh, that's something I think that we could name and then maybe repent and ask God to wake us up and make us uh, more able to be engaged and curious. One of the ways that I think we cultivate curiosity is to build uh, sustainable and reasonable positive structures into our lives. Uh, you've heard me over the, uh, at various junctures in the life of, of the church uh, call you to the cultivation of a rule of life. Our, our church actually corporately right now is tending to a rule of life relative to Sundays and small groups, uh, to personal devotion and to mission and service. Uh, you're supposed to have a personal and participate in a collective rule of life. All a rule of life is, is developing sustainable, predictable patterns uh, relative to prayer, um, thought life, relational, emotional life, exercise. And I believe that one of the ways that we maintain curiosity, that we stay awake, if you will, is to build positive patterns into our lives. This is what Christians have done really throughout the millennia. And the Lord wants you to be alert and awake, and you've got to do something to participate with him in that work. One of the uh, things I'm maybe most excited about when I think about the future is toward the end of the month, this daily podcast is going to pivot to a new one, uh, Renewing the Center uh, is what it's going to be called. My wife, Karen, she and I are going to lead this podcast together. And we're going to spoke, focus a lot of energy on your rule of life, on how to live your life in an actual discernible way before God. It involves biblical reflection, but it also involves learning how to engage spiritual disciplines such as silence and solitude to pray the prayer of examine, to engage in uh, what some have called Lectio Divina, illumined reading of the word. See, we believe that it's our responsibility to teach these things so that we as a group uh, of Christians um, spread all over the world, frankly, who are listening to this are able to actually make progress in your life with God. Your job before the Lord that is a job I believe that'll be empowered by the spirit as we ask for the spirit's help is to remain alert and active and awake in our pursuit. That's exactly what these two men are doing. So they're following Jesus. They're alert. They're curious. And Jesus actually in the text turns to these men and says and asks, what are you looking for? And these are the first recorded words of Jesus in the gospel of John. He actually looks at these two men and says, what do you want? What are you looking for? And I love this because it actually turns a thing on its head that we oftentimes think. We, we tend to think that God has all the answers and, um, and that he, he just wants to sort of like uh, tell us things. But here we see Jesus begins this interaction with a question. And his question is a really fair one. He asked these two men who are curious, alert, but they haven't yet interacted. He says, well, what do you really want? What are you really seeking? And I actually think he asked the same question 
of you, of me? What is it that you want? And I think right now is maybe a, 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 a critical time for us to get down to brass tacks regarding what we really want. I'm going to read something from Leslie Newbigin, who he was one of my favorite uh, missiologists. Um, and he says this, he says, we are questioned, challenged, called upon to take responsibility for the direction of our seeking. In all the accounts of Jesus's teaching and practice, this element of probing and questioning is prominent. What do you think? What do you want me to do for you? And so here in a commentary at the very beginning, the first recorded saying of Jesus is such a question. What are you looking for? And Newbegin says, it's a question put to everyone. And at some point, one has to answer it. I believe that an invitation in front of us today is to actually answer the question. If Jesus were posing it to us, what are you seeking? What do you want? Uh, we need to have an answer for that question. What is your vision? What are you actually looking for in this season in your life? And if I were you, I would spend a good deal of time getting down to what you actually really want. Uh, because if you desire something that God cannot or will not provide, you're just going to be disappointed in the end. So how do these guys answer Jesus's question about what they're seeking? They actually answer his question with a question. They say, well, where are you staying? And I love this. They don't say, give us wisdom. Tell us the secret of life. Tell us why John thinks you're so important. Uh, he, they don't say lay hands on us, give us power. They ask for access to Jesus. They actually say, we want to be where you are. We want to see where you live. See, this question implies a desire on these two, uh, on their part, to be invited into Jesus's world. It also implies that they're willing to do some work in order to see how Jesus actually lives. They're, they're in effect saying this, may we see where and how you live your life. See, they don't just want the secret. They don't just want the principles. They, they want actually an unhurried level of access to Jesus. And I think this is actually a really critical, important uh, point. We, we need to actually cultivate our wants so that we want the right things. When Jesus says, what do you seek? See, it's not good for you just to say whatever comes to your mind. Maybe we need to know what comes to our mind and then cultivate a, a, a more mature desire to actually say what we want is to be with you, Jesus. That's what these two men say. So what does Jesus say in response to this question? He could have just said, no, no, no. I'd simply like to teach you. I don't want you in my home. But that's not what he says. His response, three simple words, come and see. He actually gives them unreserved access to his life. He says, sure, come and be with me. And we're not told what happens. Uh, but what we are told is that they spent the whole afternoon with Jesus. Jesus gives them unhurried access to his life and they hang out. We're not told what happens. We're not told what they talk about. We're not told um, anything other than they remained with him that day. They spent unhurried time with God. And I just want to say to you, uh, uh, if we don't learn to spend unhurried time with God, and for me that happens in the morning and then again sort of mid-afternoon, I spend time alone with God. Without that time alone with God, I deteriorate. I become less and less who God wants me to be. I become more reactive, more anxious, more afraid, more angry, whatever it is. But time with God changes us. And I would just say to you that apart from a way, a rule of life, a, a determined, consistent, predictable, sustainable way of being with God, you will not be the kind of man or woman that God wants you to be. See, they actually spend leisure time with God. 
And I want to, um, Yosef Pieper says this, he says, leisure is a mental state and spiritual attitude. It is not the result of external factors. It's not the inevitable result of spare time, a holiday, a weekend, or a vacation. It is in the first place, an attitude of the mind, a condition of the soul. Jesus was inviting them into an attitude, a condition, a space of unhurried time with God. And I believe that we have to learn how to slow down and enter unhurried spaces. Uh, there's a, an author, Alan Fadling, who actually attends one of our C4SO churches, one of the churches in our Anglican diocese under Todd Hunter. He wrote a book called An Unhurried Life, and I would commend that book to you. It is so good, so good. So while we're not told what happens or what they talk about, we actually are told that names get changed, that these men go back after an afternoon of unhurried access to Jesus, and they say, like, this is, guys, the real deal. So I believe that as we follow Jesus uh, it, with intentionality, this same pattern should play out in and around us. We're supposed to actually be like Jesus as Christians. So not only are we to receive, we're supposed to be like Jesus in this respect. So I would just leave you with these five ideas. As you spend time with Jesus, I would say, number one, you should be on the lookout for curious people, people who are drawn to that pursuit. Number two, you have to learn how to ask questions of uh, people who are curious, what do you really want? Where's God stirring? Number three, I think we're supposed to move toward people who want access to our way of life, our, our way of being with God, and say to them essentially what Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And then number four, I think we need to give young men and women access to unhurried relationship. And number five, when we do that, their lives are going to change. So if you can see it, Jesus, as he's mentoring these people, is actually putting forth a model for you to also be a mentor, to be a person who shapes people, people who are curious, who are alert and awake. So I leave that with you. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask God maybe where he's inviting you to grow right now so that you might become the kind of man, the kind of woman who's able to walk alongside others as they grow. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you soon.